walk down the aisle where you're going to buy your laundry detergent and cleaning supplies, you're immediately assaulted with this smell of that aisle. That smell is chemicals. And those chemicals are estrogen disruptors. And so it turns into an unhealthier version of itself, which can lead to polycystic ovarian syndrome, infertility, cancers of various kinds. And men are also exposed to a similar but not exact response to these carcinogens in that laundry aisle and in the environment and in the water and in the roundup. So the more we become aware of these hidden toxicities in our environment, what we bring into our home, what we put in our body, the more you reduce your risk of getting cancer. We believe that you are strong by design and you were made in God's image to have a strong body, mind, and spirit. You're listening to the number one strength and health authority podcast in the world. So let's get ready to unlock your potential and transform your life in today's episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Strong by Design podcast. So happy to have you. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, If you're a new listener uh, of the show, this is a a return guest on the podcast. So you're in for a treat. Uh, You can... um, uh, we're going to go deep today on, on a topic that's obviously very uh, frightening for many of us, uh, especially ones uh, uh, who have experienced it firsthand, as I have, and we're going to get into that a little bit. Uh, if you're a past listener of the show, you might have already heard our special guest uh, previously. She was on episode, I wrote it down, 248, titled The Five Steps to Breast Cancer Empowerment. So uh, go back, certainly, and listen to that after our conversation today if you really like uh, what you hear from Carol Laurie, uh, our special guest. Uh, I want to tell you a little bit about her before we uh, start getting into our our, our topic of conversation today. Uh, Carol has helped thousands of women around the world recover their health and enjoy life again. Her superpower is figuring out exactly where people need to start to peel back the layers of complex health conditions uh, so that they can fix them together step by step. And Carol is a uh, a triad of uh, expertise here. So she's a naturopath, an acupuncturist, and a homeopath with over, over 35 years of experience, clinical experience. And she specializes in complex chronic diseases such as infertility for older women, breast cancer recovery, which was the focus of our conversation a year ago, autoimmune disorders and Parkinson's disease. And she takes a holistic approach, as we do a lot on our podcast here with uh, uh, one of our holistic health practitioners, Coach Tanya, when she engages in conversation with folks. We like to take a holistic approach. And uh, she does the same in her work and believes there's no such thing as unexplained illness. And I thought that was very, in quotes, unexplained, in quotes. I thought that was quite interesting off your page. Uh, So welcome back, Dr. Carol Laurie, to the podcast. Always great to have you on the show. Thank you. I'm so happy and honored to be here again. It's great to hang out with you and your audience. Yes. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, 
I, I so enjoyed our last conversation. Can't believe it's been a year since we last got to, to talk with each other. Time flies Time, when you're having it does, fun. It does. We are busy, busy bees uh, around here, and I know you are as well. So uh, it does go by so fast. Um, I believe uh, someone, I think it was our affiliate manager who's so good, Jesse, who had, who had reached out mm-hmm. to me and said, hey, uh, would you be, you know, interested in ha- having Carol on the podcast and uh, or back on the podcast? I said, well, of course, I would love to do that. And uh, it's there's no time like October to have these conversations um, and and to really empower people as you've been doing with the road to health and 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 how to, how they can really take charge in their own life uh, and not be so reliant on. You know the, the the medical community, as, as it were, uh, but to be able to be armed and, and prepared and and um, and helped along the way with somebody like yourself who has such a uh, a different perspective from kind of traditional uh, Western medicine. Uh, so, talking about a very scary topic like cancer, um, we have talked about it previously on the podcast, not in recent memory though um it does come up of course from time to time Uh, i think we've all kind of had our own experiences with it whether it was in our immediate family or extended family or with possibly our neighbor uh maybe we've lost someone very close to us um and i think that's kind of where it starts because for so many people um we aren't good at taking action until something hits us hard personally. Uh, yeah, it's it's like then we then we just take something much more seriously and we give it consideration and we we um, and not that we're supposed to live in fear necessarily, but um, you know it's 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 like things don't matter so much to a lot of us we don't spend time considering things or the or, or the outcomes of things if 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 they're not you know happening in our in our immediate uh day to day or in our immediate family so uh, i wanted to share with you and i don't know if this had come up in our previous conversation but you know i i've lost my mother and my brother to cancer uh, in the last ten years, and my brother. Sorry, no, I yeah, I don't, I don't know if it that. came up or not. Um, my brother had brain cancer, and dealt with that for once we knew that he had it. Dealt with that for about six years, uh, and he he fought and he fought and he fought, and um, and my mom, God bless her soul, actually spent about a year of her time living uh with my sister-in-law and my brother to help take care of him as he was mm-hmm. uh as he was nearing the end of his of his battle and my mom dealing with her own forms of cancer ultimately she died of uh, lesions on her stomach it had just moved around in the fluids uh from her lungs to her colon to her stomach and, and eventually she passed three years later and so for me, this topic obviously really hits home as I've lost two people that were my two of my favorite people in the whole world. Um, I'm so sorry. Yeah, and it's so it it makes me think. You know, what are the things that I could have done or helped them do prior to you know those last moments, those last few years? What what could we have done differently or better? 
what do we know now that we didn't know then uh, types of things you know had I known you you know back then when they were kind of dealing with these things what can I have helped done for them so I think we all have those fears of death or of losing people we love and um, I think that's obviously something that connects us all so Today's conversation is really talking about these strategies and things that we can do in our lives to prevent uh, a cancer, especially as we age, when it seems like, you know, it's not young people so much that are dying of cancer, it's older people. Well, unfortunately, that's not It's not as true as it it was, I guess. Yeah, no. But uh, 90% of all cancer is not genetic. Wow. That means that it's acquired through the environment. For example, the people who were exposed to Chernobyl radioactive incident, a huge amount of them developed leukemias, blood cancers, and thyroid cancers. So that is a direct response to toxicity in the environment that was well known. But there are hidden toxic toxicities in the environment which no one knows about. Then Thus, the word hidden. And I'll give a really clear example. When you go into a regular supermarket and you walk down the aisle where you're going to buy your laundry detergent and cleaning supplies, you're immediately assaulted with this smell of that aisle. And we've been trained to think, oh, it doesn't smell so bad. But that smell is chemicals. And those chemicals are estrogen disruptors. And what that means is when estrogen is broken down and it's supposed to be eliminated, these chemicals take up a spot in the estrogen parking lot, so to speak. So when the estrogen goes to bind to be eliminated, it can't because this chemical is already sitting in the parking spot. And so it turns into an unhealthier version of itself, which can lead to polycystic ovarian syndrome, infertility, cancers of various kinds. And men are also exposed to a similar but not exact response to these carcinogens in that laundry aisle and in the environment and in the water and in the roundup. So um, the more we become aware of these hidden toxicities in our environment, what we bring into our home, what we put in our body, the more you reduce your risk of getting cancer. Wow. Yeah, those are things that we certainly don't consider, is it? Uh, when we go to the grocery store and we walk down that aisle, no. we just assume, okay, well, that's the smell of cleanliness, right? That's the smell of cleaning supplies and products. and um, That's the billion-dollar advertising mm, moment. Yeah, sure is. Yeah. So that's really comes down to, you're right, the disruption of the, the natural... Uh, the, the the natural bonding and, and, and activity at the cellular le- level is basically what you're saying is is, is that we're getting from using these these types of cleaning households cleaning supplies the containers that we put our foods in the water that we're drinking the processed foods that we're eating and the pesticides and all of the many things that are sprayed on our food uh, that we are not even familiar with so you add all of this up. And our body is in quite a battle. It doesn't have the ability to, it keeps trying, it keeps trying to compensate for that. 
And one of the worst offenders is microwaving in plastic. So for all of you wonderful people out there, if you want to microwave frozen food, take it out of that plastic container, put it in a glass container. You never, ever, ever want to microwave plastic because the BPAs and the BSAs that keep that plastic solid then get into your food. And there is specific evidence of how carcinogenic they are. And that is also true for when you drink water out of those plastic water bottles, such as yes, this. right. Um, you don't know how hot the water got when it was being transported, and heat causes the chemicals to be released from the plastic into the water. So you think you're doing good by drinking water, but really you're filling your body with carcinogens. So the answer is to get a stainless steel water bottle and just, you know, fill it from home. Hopefully you're filtering your water. There are many um, pretty inexpensive ways to filter water uh, that you can do over the counter. You don't have to get an expensive under the counter water filter. And, you know, here I am feeling all good because I'm like, yeah, I have a stainless steel cup right here that I use for great. after great. I have my coffee in the morning and then I just drink water out of it for the rest of the day. But then I go, well, the five gallon container in the kitchen that we have for our water service is a big plastic jug. So am I still, right. um, it's kind of defeating the purpose, isn't it? <laughs> well, you don't know how hot that water got when it was being transported right. from the stream to your house. And I would call that company and ask them what is in, because the, there are some plastics which don't have BPAs right. or BSAs, but they still do emit other carcinogens. Um, I think that when you think about the ecological footprint that company makes between Getting the water, I mean, it does supply people with work, but then you're paying for the trucks to ship it with the gas and all of that. I mean, get an under-the-counter the or over-the-counter water filter, yeah. and then you don't have to worry about that. It pays for itself within a few months, right. I think. Yeah, at home, I have, you know, you have the, the, I have the filter through the, the refrigerator, you know, so. That's not that's good not, enough. That's not good enough. No, it's not good enough. Wow, and that's the, geez. So what do I need to do? I need to filter it a, se a second time? Or, or? Well, you're drinking cold water, right? From the refrigerator. Why do we need to drink cold water? Why well, can't you? Yeah. I have that. Yeah, I guess it's chilled. I, know. Yeah. I have a certain item next to my sink, which is, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the name sure. brand in this. Oh, sure. It's Aquasana. Yeah, yeah. Aquatrue, Aquatrue, Aquatrue. And they also offer under the counter and it sits by my kitchen sink and you put the water in and it filters and then I don't drink cold water. Yeah. I don't think it's that good for you. It's better to be room temperature. I mean, if you're living in Arizona and it's 114, that's a different story, <laughs> of right, course. Right. Wow, that is something to consider though because yes, yeah, so much of us know that water ultimately um, is one of the best things you can do to have a healthier existence besides walking and, and breathing you know it's i would say water 100%. is number three or number two even sometimes um but and most americans are dehydrated yes. is it, they don't it's like you know, 90 coffee does not count yeah. by the way coffee doesn't count as right. water soda doesn't count as right. water 
Juice with sugar doesn't count as water. So water is water with maybe lemon, fresh squeezed lemon in it or herb tea. But the rest of those liquids do not count as water intake. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, I definitely don't. I feel like the water I'm drinking is to help offset the coffee I've already consumed in the morning. Because <laughs> I'm definitely a right. couple of cups in the morning kind of guy. But I, I start my day with a first, you know, with a, a tall glass of water uh, before That's anything great. else. That's good. It's, it's funny. It's like no matter how much you try... It's like you're still fighting against, as you said, the container that it was in. The, it was in heat before, you know. Did it? Did the plastics leach into the, you know, root to ruin, in essence, the good that you're trying to do for yourself? And it can be so frustrating for us. We try. A lot of people, I think, earnestly do right. try to make the right decisions. I agree, and that's where habits come into play. Once you've been educated. Education equals empowerment. That's a very important word for me. And then you go, okay, well, what's the, what's the biggest area in my life that I have the most difficulty that needs to be changed? And then you just take that on as the first thing you're going to change. And if it's going to the Whole Foods and buying one of those stainless steel containers and ordering, you know, a water filter next to your sink, that's a big deal. And then you can, Get comfortable with that. It takes a hundred days to create a new habit. So when you've decided to make a, a change for your health, just do one at a time. Because if you think, oh, I have to do this and I have to do that. I mean, what happens is you get overwhelmed and you slip back into your old habits. And one at a time, slow and steady, and then you're there. In a couple of months, you've made maybe five or six changes which you feel comfortable with, which add up to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, we talk a lot, a lot about that in the podcast and past episodes with, with change and transformation in people. And it really begins mm-hmm. with baby steps, um, little things, replace one bad habit with one good habit, and then build some momentum with that, and then try a second thing or a third thing. And before you know it, over the course of a six-month to a, a year period, you can have some real significant you know, changes that were all just based on just a couple of, you know, minor things at first. Um, And, uh, you know, you take out one bad thing you're eating and replace it with something that's healthier and replace a soda with a water and, and, you know, and you keep going down that road before you know it, you're doing a lot of good stuff for yourself. So it's, it can be simple. Um, We we just complicate things, don't we? (laughs) We like to complicate. Sometimes. But, you know, cancer in Mm -hmm. one way is a very complex disease. But in another way, it's a message that your body is giving you that, hi, I'm not doing so great here, and I've been trying to tell you for a long time, and now you don't have a choice. And there are many complex pathways that have to be activated for the tumor to show up. So just because you have genetics doesn't mean that those genetics are going to get turned on. It's important to understand your genetics but it's also important to realize that once you have that knowledge, you then can influence if it gets turned on, if the light switch gets turned on or not, so to speak. And creating these healthy habits, I like to think of them as not bad or good, but unhealthy and good. So we don't want to split. We want to realize that most of us living here in the U.S. have 
been indoctrinated through billions of dollars of American advertising into the standard American diet and the standard American lifestyle. So the message is for eating unhealthy foods, there's this one commercial where somebody is markedly obese and it's a message for um, over-the-counter digestive product. And he's eating this hamburger that has four stacks of beef in it and it's drip dripping down. And I'm looking at that commercial thinking, no one should ever be eating that way because that's called how to get cardiovascular disease without even trying. And he eats that way and with big French fries and soda, and then he takes this product to deal with the digestive problems. So how could you not have digestive problems if you eat mm, that way? Right. So um, we need to begin to think about, become conscious about how indoctrinated have we become to the messaging, which is nonstop if you watch television, of how we should be eating, the food we should be buying, what we spend our money on when we go to the grocery store. So cancer is all part of that storyline. So it's, in some ways, it's a very complex moment until the diagnosis appears and the doctor says to you, you have cancer. But in other ways, it's very simple because the line is sort of straight ahead. And I always feel like one of the things I share with my community is I have this picture of a bell curve. And for those of you who may not know what that is, it's like up and down. And all the studies that you read are about the people in the middle of the curve. And my message to the women in my community is you don't want to be in the middle. You want to be on the side, on out. And that's where the magic happens. And that magic is health and healing. And you get out of being in the middle by really divorcing yourself from the standard American diet, from the standard American lifestyle, and really beginning to take apart your life physically, but also emotionally about what is happening in your life that you're not happy about. And that you're so busy, which is not a judgment, everybody's super busy, that you just keep going along and you're not paying attention to the knocks on the door. Hi, I'm not happy. You don't feel well in the morning. You're not sleeping well. You're not, you're constipated. You get migraine headaches. You're not happy in your job. Hello, hello. Pay attention. Up, you're not going to pay attention. I'm just going to turn the volume up a little bit more. No, it's a great way of, of talking about it. Uh, people will push those things off and just and look at them at face value. Oh, I just get migraines a lot. Oh, I'm just not a good sleeper. You know all these things. But when it's a comp- it's a bunch of these things happening at all the same time, uh, these are alarms, and people should be listening to them. And there are root causes to these symptoms um, that are that go beyond just you know um too much screen time i'm having trouble falling asleep uh, it could be could be more than that um why is it though that most of us as i said at the start and you kind of acknowledge that that's not necessarily true but cancer seems to be more common as people age though right i mean you don't see a lot of 10 and right. 15 and 20 year olds with cancer it does happen but more so people on the plus side of 60, let's say, if I was to just arbitrarily pick an age. Well, the older we get, the more um, our DNA is impacted by environmental and physiological stress. So as the DNA ages, it's more susceptible to mutations. 
and mutations and we, everyone has underlying inflammation. And inflammation is like the soil that cancer feeds on. So between the DNA being weakened or damaged as people age, and there's this underlying environment of inflammation due to lack of nutrients and the standard American diet, then all of a sudden you get a little mutation and pop up. Six months, a year later, you go for colonoscopy and you've been diagnosed with, you know, some kind of colon cancer. You go for a woman goes for a mammogram and all of a sudden, without any warning, she's been diagnosed with breast cancer. So, um, it's, it's as we age, the, the statistical significant increases. Right. And it is like a, um, it's like the resistance for uh, uh, your body. It's putting up a pretty good fight when you're younger, right? It's like you're able to handle the blows a little bit better and kind of get past things maybe a little bit easier. But it's like a buildup. It's almost like a plaque buildup in an artery, uh, would you say, where it takes it takes time. It doesn't just happen, uh, you know, in a week or a month yes. or a year. It happens in decades. And before you know it, uh, there's the, the 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 opening is is closing, and uh, and 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 now the blood has nowhere to go. It's, it's kind of how how cancer can can happen with kind of bad cells overcoming good ones that are healthy and f- trying to win the the war. Well, I don't like to I don't like to refer to cancer as a war. Okay. Um, I know that Ronald Reagan started with the war on cancer. And then Betty Ford, Gerald Ford's, was president. His wife came out with her diagnosis of breast cancer. And before she came out with that, breast cancer for women was this shameful disease. You weren't supposed to talk about it. Everybody was really embarrassed. And it was the messaging was like, well, you must be a horrible person and you did something wrong to end up with this. And the treatments were brutal, just brutal. Thank goodness we've come a long way in that messaging and the perspective of breast cancer. But, um, I, you know, for, I'm, I work with women and I think breast cancer is a disease of the feminine. And I think that our society has lost touch with that. And so I think it's more important to begin to have a conversation with the tumor, whether you've had a mastectomy or a lumpectomy, you can start having a conversation with that part of your body that is no longer there even. And you'd be surprised what it will tell you. And because the, the terms war, I'm going to attack, we have to conquer this or defeat it. Um, those are, were a very aggressive inflammatory words and inflammation creates an environment which breast cancer goes, great, I like this environment. And I want to create an environment where there is nothing for the breast cancer to hang out. We don't like it here. The woman is eating a certain way. She's exercising. She's detoxed her home. And there's no area that the breast cancer feels welcome because breast cancer and cancer in general is a metabolic disease. And we do tend to see it a little bit more. I mean, it's sugars, which have didn't used to. I mean, geez, the the diet. If you go back into the eighties, into the the old food pyramid that I grew up with, as yeah. like the standard of eating, yeah. sugar sugars or sugary items, <clears throat> that mostly processed carbohydrates, 
were kind of the the most servings that you should be eating. And, you know, cereals and grains and rices and all these hasn't different changed. things. And it, it hasn't, hasn't changed. It hasn't changed, but, it's a, but I think at this point, people have been, it's lost its steam in terms of uh, a lot of uh, contradictory information has surfaced in the last, you know, t- couple decades uh, that it's really not that way. And that shouldn't be the staple of your diet uh, is this this base of this pyramid which is loaded with sugars and stuff which feed these cancers that's what how cancer thrives is on all these all these sugars percent uh, that's right. called the warburg effect yeah and it was discovered in 1918 by a, a german scientist otto warburg he won the Nobel medicine peace prize for that and basically what the Warburg effect says is that cancer given a choice between oxygen for the cancer gas tank and and glucose or energy or ATP, it chooses um, glucose, even though it has to work twice as hard to get it, and it gets significantly less gas in the cancer gas tank. So that is an understanding that is the beginning of really embracing that cancer is the metabolic disease. And when I bring women into my online program, I always start out with, okay, everybody put in the chat, what have you had for breakfast? And you would be surprised. women and people are still eating cereal with cow's milk, oatmeal. Everyone has been told that oatmeal is a good thing to eat. And actually, that's not true, not for cancer, because it's still a carbohydrate. It's not a gluten-free grain, and it gets translated into sugar very quickly in the body. Um, People are eating Pop-Tarts and donuts and coffee. So, how you start the day, the food that you put in your body the first thing in the morning is like the wake-up call for your cells. And it's sort of like you're saying, okay, cells, we're going to be eating sugar today. I'm going to give you lots of sugar. Or if you change how you start the day, maybe with intermittent fasting, and then you eat, drink green tea, and you eat, who says we have to have breakfast for breakfast? Mm, that's right. We could have leftovers for dinner or lunch for breakfast. That's right. Right. Yeah, I love breakfast for dinner. <laughs> yeah, that's great. You know, my wife sometimes, if you're not in the mood for cooking, and you can easily cook up some eggs and have some avocado or something with it, and Perfect. maybe some type of you know multigrain something or another to to go with it. But at least it's the basis of the meal is protein and fat. Yeah, and um, and I always feel better, like I function better just cognitively when I start my day uh, with a higher fat protein breakfast that's might have virtually no carbs i'll feel better if i have eggs like i said avocado i love mm-hmm. it's, it's a superfood, and and maybe a couple of strips of bacon and mm-hmm. that'll get i won't even be uh, that's satiating number one um and number two i'm feeling fine for hours and i didn't really have much in the realm of carbohydrates i'm i'm not missing them in any in, <laughs> I just think so many people aren't willing to make that switch, um, y- you know, it, because it takes a little bit of time to do so. Pop-Tarts are quick and easy, right? A bowl of cereal is pretty quick and easy. You didn't have to really do anything. Uh, people stop and buy a, a, a silly little uh, donut item when they get their coffee on their way mm-hmm. to work. And people, they'll continue to do that because of the the uh, convenience of it. Yeah. And it, that convenience is really killing us. 
Well, I just have to say that eating bacon is not so great because it's made with nitrates and nitrites, and those well, it depends are depends on the kind that you get. I, you I can do. get you can get organic bacon, yes, yeah. but still, it's very high in fat. And if you're going to eat that way, like if you want to do the ketogenic diet, then you really need to do a deep dive into what that involves and how much fat versus how much protein, and are you counting your carbs to understand how many low carbs you want to be eating in a day so yes absolutely bacon can be organic yeah yeah it's it i'm just citing of course a, a typical uh you know uh, meal or, or dinner i should say uh, when my wife and i'll uh, whip that up on a, a particular evening but um it it really i think if more more of us were a little bit more thoughtful about getting together or getting home together for our dinners and getting back to family dinners home cooked meals that can make for great leftovers that can be convenience eating you know on the following day i think just something simple like that would be a long, a big step in moving in the right direction and the i 100% agree about gathering as a family and having meals together as a family and leaving the phones on the counter. So you're not sitting there looking at the phones while you're eating. And that we've gotten away from the ritual of gathering the food, coming together to cook it, coming together to enjoy it. And it's one of the things that I talk about when I talk about food. It's not just you have to count calories. You have to do this. It's not have to anything. Um, this is where mindset becomes very important because as adults, nobody likes to be told what to do. Mm. If I say to somebody, you have to do it this way, it's like yeah. if somebody said to me that, forget it. I'm not yeah. going to do that. That's right. It's a That's choice. You're choosing to stop eating Pop-Tarts or cold cereal and cow's milk or donuts and a frappy coffee in the morning. You're choosing that. So then you're not the victim of somebody telling you what to do, right? Yeah. How detrimental is obesity to our health long term? Um, you know, in terms of carrying and I mean, to be considered obese is is a little bit different than being a little overweight. So maybe maybe discuss kind of that difference sure. and 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 what we should be looking out for when it comes to um, a little bit of extra weight as we get older. Okay, that's a really interesting topic because there is a direct relationship between obesity, diabetes, something called leptin, and breast cancer recurrence. That's statistically proven. There's lots of articles about this in PubMed. There is a lot of research that's been done between obesity, diabetes, and cardio cardiovascular disease. So obesity is when your body as adults, there's two types of, um, well, there's two types of problems. One, you get an immune, pro um, immune attack attacking your pancreas, and then you stop being able to uh, produce insulin. And that's called type 1 diabetes. Usually it happens to 20, uh, somebody under 22. But I have um, a patient in my practice, both her and her brother were diagnosed with type 1 at age 55, and she has a certain type of genetic SNP. It's really interesting. Then there's type 2 diabetes, which is more and more common in America, and that is when Americans don't eat enough real food, 
and their body is lacking certain essential nutrients such as chromium and vanadium and zinc. And they get, they form this type of fat that forms around your middle. And you can see people with big bellies, even though they have skinny legs and skinny arms. And that is your body's giving messaging loud and clear. Hello, I have metabolic syndrome and I am very unhealthy. Now, there's a difference in, as a naturopath, how we treat metabolic syndrome versus how we would treat plain diabetes. And distinguishing the two is a conversation about complex blood work parameters. But there is a huge increase in disease, whether it be cardiovascular diabetes and any type of cancer with increased weight. Now, what what is obesity? You know, five to seven pounds, it's one thing. Seven to 15, it's another. 15 and up, you're on a very slippery slope because it's not just the extra weight. You have to buy new clothes. Your pants don't fit. It's something called leptin, which is a marker that gets elevated. And when leptin is elevated, it then goes into this whole cascade of other blood markers becoming elevated and setting the parameter, the environment for certain diseases to happen, such as insulin resistance and blood sugar management problems and diabetes and breast cancer and insomnia and cardiovascular disease. And the reason we're having this elevated obesity is because the fats that are in processed food are extremely saturated and unhealthy. So the more Americans eat processed food, food out of the box, fried food like donuts, the more we have elevated cholesterol, elevated triglycerides, elevated leptins. And worse than that, or in addition to that, is you're lacking the key nutrients and essential phytonutrients which your body needs to make healthy cells. Wow. That's a lot to take in. What you Sorry, just said. I'm just <laughs> going down the pathway here. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, because so many of us obviously aren't as uh, nearly as educated as you are or have a, this intricate understanding of what that looks like, right? Uh, our listeners on the other end. But I think a, a simpler way of, of putting it is how the, what's the level of whole foods you're eating that are cooked and prepared and cut and you know thawed out or you know peeled and all of these things versus things that you're eating from a box things that are sitting on a shelf for weeks or months at a time that are still considered edible or healthy Mm -hmm. versus things that you would have to buy that would go bad in in a week or two if you don't eat them and I think if we had more of a focus just on that, right, like shopping on the outsides of the of the supermarket rather than the middle aisles, uh, that w- that would be a, a a step in the right direction. Hundred percent. And if you're committing to making these changes, there are lots of wonderful free resources for you, thanks to the internet, such as your podcast. There's I have lots of free gifts I give away and. Um, I have a colleague who talks about how to have a healthy pantry. I mean, there are lots of free, free gifts to educate yourself about where do you start because it can be overwhelming and what are the most important things to do first and how to take your time 
so to create new habits. Um, cancer doesn't just develop overnight. It takes many pathways and many sort of bumps into your psyche and into your body before there is an environment that where the cells decide that they're no longer paying attention to the rules of stop and go. Right. So if you were to create a list, so to speak, because we love our lists here on Strong by Design. I love lists. I, I come up with right. People usually function. I know my wife. She loves making when she has a things that she needs to do at the house. She writes them out and then she puts little boxes next to them. Because she loves to be able to put check marks in the boxes, right? So it's great. <laughs> it's helpful. It's a helpful little like visual cue. But if we were to create a list of three things that people can start to do now, wherever they are in life, to reduce their risk for cancer, what would those three things be? And maybe in mm -hmm. in order of uh, of importance er, of importance, yeah. Um radically change how you eat and how you look at food radically Div or divorce yourself from the standard American diet perspective on what is a healthy diet because the standard there's nothing about the standard American diet that's healthy that would be number one this is a hard this is very hard I have to say um, the second thing I think is to develop a mindset Maybe that's number one. I'm like alternating a mindset of health, a mindset towards health, a mindset where you realize the habits that you've unconsciously adopted, which we all did because we were subjected to television and commercials from the time that we were super little. Now it's social media. When I was growing up, there was no social media. Um, developed a mindset of health. And realize that so many of the things that you think of spending your money on and doing and how you walk and how you, the exercise you get and what, what's in your home are not towards health. So that's the second thing. And from that mindset, everything else sort of goes. And the third thing is, I think there is so much research on the positive benefits of exercise or positive movement. And find something, one or two components of that, that you like to do. For example, if you told me I had to ride a bike and go swimming, I would become a couch potato because I can't, I don't like to do those things. But I like to power walk and I lift weights. And I like to do those things. I feel better. I can easily fit them into my schedule. It's not an expensive thing where I have to go to the gym or anything. YouTube is a treasure trove of people offering free exercise advice, find two things. And when you start, you start with what I call the five minute in and five minute, five minute out, five minute back approach, which is, and it came because couch potato syndrome, I think is a real diagnosis. I made up that term, but when people don't feel well, all they do is sit on their couch. So when you decide that you're going to overcome couch potato syndrome, you get up and you go to the treadmill in the garage that you haven't sat and used. You clear the junk that's on it and you go, okay, I'm going to sit, do this for 25 minutes. And if you can get through 25 minutes, the next day you are aching so bad that you go the heck with this. Months go by. You start with five minutes. Now, whether it's a power walk, whether it's weightlifting, whether it's the treadmill or it's swimming, whatever it is. And 
I bet you that your mind is going to say, oh, five minutes, that doesn't matter. It's not going to make a difference. So I want to tell a short story, which is true. I had a woman in my practice. She had couch potato syndrome, having had breast cancer, tamoxifen, the whole deal for many, many years. And it took a couple months for her to get well enough to get off the couch. And then she started um, exercising. And after about two months, she said, you know, I love to ride bike. And I said, great. And it was her birthday and the whole family went over to the local bike store and they, and I said to her, get a bike that's going to elevate your bike riding because you don't know where you're going to go with it. They got these great bikes and the whole family started to bike together. And she had a 14 year old son who became super attached to it, started competing, wasn't on social media, developed higher self-esteem, got muscles. The girls liked him. I mean, her husband lost weight and she became really into it and Eight months after she went from the couch potato, she rode 25 miles a day, three days in a row, four days in a row to raise money for breast cancer from San Francisco to L.A. That started with the five minute out, five minute back approach. Wow. So that's a true story. When you get healthier, the ripple effect impacts your whole family. So those are the three things. That was a hard question. Thank you for asking. No, you're very welcome. Uh, That's... I think all of us can attach ourselves to a list of three, right? It's like kind of a special number. Um, yeah, I can do three things different in my life. And um, I think it does start, as you alluded to, mindset kind of is the, the starting point, I think, right? Because we have to start to see our health in a different way and put value on on certain things and start to think a little bit differently or at least be willing to and do a little bit more research on our own and learn from people like you and and so many great free resources out there with just you know instead of watching that show at the end of the day maybe do a little bit of reading that actually will will help benefit you for decades uh you know you spend 30 minutes reading something that could have a lifelong uh impact on you and then as you said you know start to make some of those changes in your in your diet eating the whole foods and flipping that that food pyramid uh, upside down for the most part. And lastly, movement. Um, movement is medicine, man. It's it's what we what we preach here at Critical Bench and have been talking about on the Strong by Design podcast for many years. And just exercise and activity and doing things that you love. And, and the movement of the body is what gives children so much delight and so much uh, uh, enjoyment and, and we should never lose that we should hold on to that for as long as we possibly can and I've mentioned this older couple before on uh, previous episodes uh, neighbors of mine when I was in college so I'm in my late teens early 20s living in a house with two of my brothers and another roommate and we uh and uh, we that must loved have been our- fun. You must have oh, had a great time in that house. We had a great, oh, we had a great time. This is in, in, up in Connecticut where I went to uh, college. And we had a great time in our house. Lots of wonderful memories there. And this older couple, they were our great neighbors. We had an older couple on each side of us. And Ed and T, T short for Teresa, were our neighbors on the one side, married for over 60 years. Mm. And they were the happiest, just kindest folks. And they would get together three, four days a week and play tennis uh, over at the local tennis court. And they just, it brought them joy. They'd go and play for a full hour. And they were wonderful tennis players, even into their, well into their 80s. 
Fantastic. And, um, and we used to just talk with them and go. They would invite us over, and we would just speak with them and. Um, and they they just lived a great life, and no one's probably talking about these people in the whole universe. But it makes me feel good that I remember these two people, mm-hmm. and they still they made an impact on my life, an impression in, on me in my twenties that I'll never forget because I saw with my own eyes what movement uh, did for these people, and they were oh, they yeah. were just and it was a, it's a wonderful thing, and I, I want our listeners to remember that too, and. And to share that love of movement and activity with your family. Like I do, my wife and I exercise all the time together and my kids see us doing it and they'll join us sometimes. That's great. And, and it's so, so vitally important. So Tennis I, is a great sport, you know, because you're running uh, back and forth yes. and you're swinging your arms. It's a yes. fantastic sport. It's not like sit, you're not sitting down, you're running all over the place chasing That's that right. ball. That's right. No, it is, and it has. It's great. Um, and pickleball is actually grown oh. in, in popularity uh, because it's like a small scale a tennis match, really, yeah. right? And um, and and that's a good thing because it's hand eye coordination and it's total movement of the body and uh, and uh, quick reaction response time and stuff. So I I think it's wonderful. Get involved and play with friends and have fun and laugh. And, and you're exercising, so you're getting everything at one time, which is so good. Um, mm-hmm. What are some uh, some tests and some things that people can start to do that that are important uh, for them to to you know kind of monitor their health and speak about with their doctor? What are some things that people can do uh, to to learn a little bit more about their health, their state of their health? Well, ask their doctor if they can measure their BMI basic metabolic index of their body ask the doctor for a deeper level look into their blood sugar management Mm -hmm. there is something called the continuous glucose monitor that is often recommended and provides a wealth of information Mm. ask the doctor to run a hemoglobin a1c that is the average of your blood glucose over a period of two to three months so I and you want to do that every six months because you don't want just one number you want a baseline and then you want to see are you going up are you going down and get on the scale I'm not a big proponent of that but if you're massively overweight if you're 15 pounds overweight um, you can say you know I'm going to stop this right now and I'm going to go down and it's not that hard to lose 15 pounds. There are lots of free programs that you can find. And I bet a lot of the big cause is you don't eat all day and then you come home from work and you're ravishing and you eat dinner and then you eat all night. Mm, Yes. And night eating is called how to gain weight without even trying. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, I I need to practice what I preach more often. because I can, even I can stand to lose 10 or 15 pounds. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I know the ideal weight for me because I've been there. Uh, and I know when I'm, not, when I'm not there. So, I mean, we all can take steps to, you know, and luckily I've, I, you know, I'm, I'm very active. I'm, I coach and play with my kids and I generally eat pretty well. It's just that it, it really is so easy to overeat. Even if it's healthy items, healthy foods, I'll, I overeat them and see, I have this abundance of extra calories I'm not burning. And so it gets stored. So it's, 
you know, uh, it's 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 stuff like that that can even derail uh, us health experts. But um, this is so so helpful and beneficial. Um, what are some of the best uh, places that our listeners can go to learn more about you and what you're doing, and even connect with you if they're interested? Sure, I have a website which is my name, carollaurie.com, and it's both words, Carol, and then my last name is spelled L-O-U-R-I-E. And there's a contact me section at the top. I answer everything, all emails um, into privately, of course. I have an Instagram account at Carol Lori Health, which is mostly about breast cancer. But I work, you know, primarily with women with breast cancer. But as you mentioned, I do infertility for older women. I do, I, I like diseases that, you know, I have this undiagnosed disease. I don't know what it is. That's, mm. you know, that I don't feel well. I haven't felt well for years. Everybody says it's in my head and I don't know what to do. So it's not in your head. It's in your mind and your body. And it's the problem is the right functional medicine tests were probably not done. Yeah. So that yeah. needs, that's always very rewarding to have somebody get over couch potato syndrome. Yeah, I love it. I love that you put a name to it, Couch Potato Syndrome. Yeah, so if you don't want CPS, uh, CPS. Then, then 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 get with Dr. Carol, and she will help you. I appreciate um, uh, you're just such a wealth of knowledge and uh, inspiration. I think for many of us to, uh, it's all about feeling good in our own skin and longevity you know and if you're not feeling right then there probably is something wrong and Correct. it's your body is telling you that and you need to start listening and so reach out uh to experts like carol who can help you navigate these uh often murky waters so thank you so much for your time it's just an absolute pleasure as always i learned so much and get so much from it and i know our audience does as well Thank you so much for having me here. It's yeah. been really wonderful. Absolute pleasure. Well, thank you, listeners. Another episode here on Strong by Design, uh, another wonderful conversation. Please share this episode with a friend or a family member or a coworker, anyone who you know in your life that could benefit from all of the things uh, that Carol shared today, all these great nuggets and takeaways, because there's certainly someone you know that could benefit from this or, or it just needs to hear it and uh, maybe make a big shift in their life and uh, for the better. So we thank you so much for joining us. Come back next week. As always, we release a new episode every Wednesday here on the podcast, and we'll look forward to seeing you then. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe so that more people can find out about our show. Plus, you don't want to miss any future episodes with the amazing guests and topics we have lined up for you. 